the, the theme of Luke and Acts that I talked about last week, uh, there, are, there are two basic themes, right? One, uh, which we talked about extensively, was the idea of uh, the now and future kingdom, right? So Jesus comes, he's teaching and preaching throughout uh, all, of, uh, all of Judea, and he is telling people, there's this kingdom coming, and it's coming at the end of time, right? And it, it's a place where uh, justice rolls down like water, and uh, people are good to one another, and you know, all, all, like, and he calls it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, it's a place where uh, people consider themselves less than others, right? They prioritize the needs of others over themselves. Uh-uh. And, but somehow, right, this kingdom exists in the future. It's at the end of time. And he says, but it's also now, right? It's, it's here. It's present in my person and in my teaching, Uh, And in what I'm telling you today, it exists right now. And he he puts into the minds of the people who are listening to to him the idea, you have a a duty as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that future kingdom, to act like it it has arrived right now, right? To realize it in your actions, your attitudes, your words, and the way that you treat people, that, that this kingdom exists in the present age. Your job is not to... Uh, live in a good life and go to heaven when you die. It's to make earth into heaven now, right? By by living as if you live in that kingdom in the future, right now at this moment. So that's the big. That's the one of the huge themes of the kingdom of God uh, in the book of Luke. Now that that future kingdom is a real place. It's a real end state that is going to happen at the end of time. It will break through fully in its fullness into. Uh, into the world, uh, and it's, it, it's initiated by Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, right? It's a place where, where death has no dominion. So that's, that's the first big theme. The second big theme uh, is that the kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, right? Everything that people think about uh, the, the way that the social order works is going to be turned upside-down, right? That's why Jesus... Uh, isn't born in a palace. He's born in a dirty manger where, where animals feed, right? It's why uh, the, the, the kingdom of heaven starts uh, amongst the poorest people in the world uh, in this, this tiny backwater uh, in Judea. Uh, we'll see today, but uh, the, it's in Galilee, right? And the, 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 the name Galilean uh, actually was like synonymous with like troublemaker, Right, so so like like the worst people in the world that you could think of, that's that's where the Son of God is born. So uh, let's we'll keep those two themes in mind as we kind of run through uh, the the keep them in mind as we're talking about the trial of Jesus today. Some quick context about the political situation in Judea um, at this time because it's important. Um, we tend to think of the, the situation with the Romans when we read this, the, the Gospels, as something that's been going on for a long, long time, right? They've been there for hundreds of years. Actually, they've only been there for about 50, right? The, the Romans came on the scene and, and pushed the Greeks out about 50 years before uh, the New, our New Testament uh, Gospels start. That's, that, so th- this is a, 
almost a very new political situation. 50 years, not a whole lot of time. Um, so the Romans have only been there for that long. They, uh, they rule through a system of brutal oppression, right? Like we, we would think of them as not being very nice guys. Um, their, their, their way of running things, uh, it depends on stability uh, and order and uh, it depends on uh, the, the populace like not rebelling. So to them, stability and order are the most important things that you can have. And that's important for, for thinking through Pilate's situation here. Um, in addition to the, the Romans, so that they have a, a, what, what they would call a client king. or So that the, the Romans often move in, uh, and then they have a... They don't get rid of the king who is in the area that they've conquered, they continue to let him rule, or they say, hey, uh, congratulations, you're the king of this whole area, um, as long as you re report to us and do exactly what we say. They, they know who's really in charge, but, but people often are, they want to follow a leader who looks like them. Um, and at this time, at least, uh, the Herodian dynasty, so uh, there was a, a guy, Herod the Great, um, who uh, was... Uh, king at around the time that the Romans conquered, that they, uh, the um, the Romans were a uh, not a democracy, a republic. Um, just around the time that they uh, conquered Judea, uh, a general named Pompey the Great uh, conquered Jerusalem. Uh, kind of a aside, but he he um, upon conquering Jerusalem, he 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 went to the temple. Uh, expecting to haul out whatever idols the Jews worshipped uh, and either destroy them or steal them. Uh, and he went inside, uh, and he went into the Holy of Holies, and there was nothing there. And he came out, and he said, they're atheists. They don't believe in God at all. right? Like they, His mind could not hold the idea that you would worship a God without an idol or an object to look at. He's like, there's no, nothing in there. So that was about 50 years before all of the, uh, our uh, New Testament begins. Uh, shortly after that, uh, the, the Romans institute an empire. The first uh, emperor, Augustus, is mentioned in, our, in Luke, right? It says, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the earth should be taxed. So the Romans are becoming like more militarized, more uh, top-down in terms of their structure than they ever were before right around the time this is happening, right? There's a lot of political turmoil in Rome. Uh, so uh, Pilate, as we'll see, he has no chill. Um, he is a, a brutal and sadistic person. Uh, and he was chosen for his position because he is a brutal and sadistic person. Um, and he's, he's kind of got to navigate this webwork of political alliances and religious problems that are happening, and he, he stinks at it. Uh, like that We have some reports from Josephus, who was a historian at the time, who talks about uh, the, the many ways in which Pilate failed uh, to have chill. Uh, so it kind of explains some of the, the uh, behavior that he engages in throughout the, the, the uh, Christ narrative. Uh, and then finally, I'll talk just a little bit uh, about the Roman legal system. And I, I don't want to get real, real deep into this. Um, I could, but I don't want to. Um, suffice it to say that uh, the Roman legal system was uh, a lot... It, 
uh, it's kind of the, the great, 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 great grandfather of ours, um, but uh, missing, it's like close enough that if you were in Rome uh, as an American, let's say you're a time traveler, uh, you might be like, hey, I can handle this if you spoke Latin. Uh, but no, you can't because you'll make all kinds of mistakes and they'll get you killed. Um, the, the, the basic way that their legal system was structured, especially in the provinces like Judea, is that the, the governor sat as, as judge uh, over any kind of suit or criminal charge. Uh, there are two types of, of actions uh, like in, in our system, we have criminal and civil, right? Criminal is David runs over me with a car, and the police get really interested, and they come and get David. The other one, the, the other type of action is civil, right? And that's between persons. So I get really upset because David said that about Dominic, and I run over there, and I just kick his face off. Um, now, that might be a, a criminal matter, right? The police might come and get me, but David is too scared of me to call the police, so he'll just sue me in court for assault and battery, uh, which is also a, a, it's a civil, you can bring a civil action for it as well as it being a crime. So anyway, uh, that, that's kind of the two branches of U.S. law. In, um, in Rome, they had what was called the ordo, or the list, uh, and the list has like five things on it. Uh, and they are all about like public corruption or um, being like a public official and then doing something bad, right? That's the, and those are the only crimes that they care about. Everything else is extraordinum, which is where we get our word extraordinary. It's outside of the list. Uh, and basically, you as a litigant, and we'll see this with, with Pilate, you, you could go to the magistrate and say, I could say, David um, insulted me, uh, and I think that he should, and it's, it's going to prevent me from uh, getting business relationships, and I think he should have to pay me uh, 100, sisters, 100 days wages. Uh, and the magistrate could right there decide, yeah, you're right. Or you could just make up a crime or m make up a penalty um, if I made my case out. Uh, so uh, very loose, very free-flowing, uh, when they get really, and a lot of times they don't really care, right? Like if, if we were to, to, to go to 1 Corinthians, you would see that um, the, uh, there's a, a great example of a trial there that we'll read next week, but uh, I'll summarize it in brief. Um, Paul is brought before the Roman governor of Achaia, um, his name is Gallio, by uh, the, the Jewish people in, in Corinth, uh, and they... Uh, they accuse him, and they say, you know, they, they try to explain to Gallio, like, uh, he's saying that people, that, that this Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and he's, it's unlawful for him to teach that, he's, right, so they're, they're making charges, like they're, they're trying to describe what's wrong, what he's doing that's wrong, and what should happen to him, uh, and Gallio, uh, he shrugs and says, if this is just about the names of things in your religion, I, what do I care? I don't care. Um, like just, and then he has he has one of the people beat up. Like, like just the, so the the what you should draw from that is that the the governor of the province has this incredible amount of authority, um, and also very wide latitude in defining crimes, uh, in defining what what the um, what the remedies are, uh, and in defining who the parties are. Um, 
it, it uh, fr- frankly, as somebody who practices law or has practiced law, it's pretty scary. Our, our system is very structured. Like you have to plead a case. It has to fall within certain, uh, certain parameters. It has to describe an actual thing. You can't just kind of make it up. Uh, but in Rome, you could, or at least in the provinces, you could. So uh, with that, let's turn to Luke 22. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, Jesus, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, uh, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve, and he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them, and they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And he shall say unto... Uh, let me see if I can skip to where he's... It's 22, I'm sorry. And let's go to... Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. Ah, 39. 22, verse 39. Let's start there. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them... Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come up to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple uh, and the elders which were uh, come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hand against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Uh, let's skip there. Verse 63. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. When they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. And as soon as it was a day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council. So, real quick pause here. The council uh, is uh, the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is like the Jewish governing body uh, at that time. So this is the elders and the priests um, who are uh, politically aligned with Pilate. Pilate has to make them happy. 
uh, or it's gonna, it, Pilate's going to have a real hard time um, doing what he has to do in, in, in Judea uh, as the Roman governor. These are the folks who uh, directly interact with the Jews. Um, it's uh, hard to describe because we don't have anything like it. Um, but remember that, that Jesus goes around and says things like, um, I, I'm, I forgive you of your sins, right? He acts as if, he's the, as if he has the authority to do it and as if, he, if, as if he's the person who's chiefly involved in forgiving sins. Um, to a Jew that hears that, they would say, well, the temple's where you go to have your sins forgiven. Um, it would be like, it's hard, to, again, hard for me to put in modern terms, but it would be like if I uh, offered to issue a passport to Dominic, right? It's, a, it's a, fu- a function that belongs to the priesthood. It's not a function that belongs to, to me uh, as a private citizen, right? I can't be like, hey, Dominic, I'm going to issue you uh, five John bucks and you can spend them. Uh, they're not legal tender. Nobody takes them. Right, and but Jesus walked about as as if he were the temple, uh, as if he were the, the the locus of power that could forgive your sins and do all the things that that the priesthood could do. Uh, and that that understandably makes these guys nervous, right? You, they they can't all be in the same city at the same time. So, uh, and as soon as it was the day, the elders of the people and the chief priests. This is verse sixty six. Uh, And the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. So he doesn't answer the question. They say, Are are you the Messiah? Are you the, 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 the king who was foretold to come and deliver us? Are you that guy? And he says, well, if I, told you, if I told you what I was, you wouldn't understand me. And whether you understood me or not, you wouldn't let, you wouldn't let me go. And then he says, right, this, gives this cryptic answer, you'll, you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power. This uh, conversation is also recounted in Matthew, Matthew 23. Uh, but it describes a situation from Daniel. Right, that Daniel has this vision of uh, a figure that he calls the Son of Man, uh, and he sees a figure called the Ancient of Days. Uh, and the Ancient of Days, God the Father, uh, conveys upon the Son of Man uh, a dominion and authority and the power to rule the nations. Um, so, uh, right, Jesus is like, I'm not the Messiah, I'm, I'm, or I'm not just the Messiah, I'm I'm the son of man that Daniel was talking about. You guys are worried about small stuff. You, you should worry about who I am theologically. Uh, and they don't get it. Uh, it says, Then said they all, Art thou then the son of God? And he said unto them, Well, you say that I am. What do you think? He says. Um, and they said, What need we say further? What need we any further witness? Uh, for we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. Um, And you're going to see a theme here after this. Jesus says almost nothing at all from here on out, right? He made made a a clear theological claim to uh, a claim about his godhood to uh, the Sanhedrin, who are are in the best position to hear it. 
and they, they're not ready to accept who he is. They, they can't do it. So they're going to bundle him off to Pilate. Chapter 23, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. He didn't say any of that stuff. Right? That They're making it up. Uh, but these are their charges. This is what they're articulating as, as the crime that he did. And Pilate asked him, saying, Are thou the, art thou the king of the Jews? Uh, and he answered him and said, Well, thou sayest it, or ye say that I am. Right? What do you think, is what he says. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. Right? He's, like the, he's, not, he, he's like, I don't even know what he's saying. How can I take it seriously? Um, right? He's looking at him and he's like, the, this, this guy's not dangerous. I, there's nothing in him that would make me punish him at all. A uh, couple things about Pilate that, that will help you understand his behavior later, right? Because we all know that, right, right, spoiler, Jesus is condemned to death and crucified, right? That's like part of the story. Yeah, I know, Dom. Dom's gasping. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, so you may, Pilate continues to say throughout this, I don't think he did anything that's worthy of death. I don't think he did anything wrong. He keeps saying that, and yet, yet he still sends him to be crucified, right? So wh- why is that? Um, Pilate's in a, a, a tough predicament here. Uh, he, uh, so at, at this point, he's uh, been in Judea for a few years. Pilate is, uh, so we don't have a lot about him in, in the Bible itself, um, just this narrative, but uh, we know from the histories, um, from Josephus and some others, that he was uh, a prefect, not a, a, usually the title for a governor is procurator. Uh, he is a prefect, which means he is a military officer. Um, and he arrived in Judea uh, with military imperium or military authority. Um, he, he didn't come to uh, usher in a, 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 a you know, a, uh, he, didn't, he wasn't sent there to treat people nicely. He was, he was there to <clears throat> prevent rebellion. This is a very troubled area of the world at this time. Uh, we know, again, from Josephus, not directly from the Bible, but that there were um, a- at least three or four claimants to the title Messiah in the years leading up to this. Um, Simon Bar Kokhba, uh, Simon, son of the stars, was one of them. Uh, there was a shepherd uh, up in, up, up in uh, the northern part of the country who led a rebellion. Uh, and the Galileans, uh, they had a, a, a group of insurgents up in the hills called the Zealots, which means the daggers. Uh, so there, there, was, there were a lot of groups who were um, vying for control and trying to get rid of the Romans. And that part of that, I think, is explained by the fact that the Romans have only been there for about 50 years, and they seem to be having some political problems of their own. Uh, if you think about that, like the, the Jews have been uh, conquered by one people or another at this point for a thousand years uh, or more. Uh, and it, if, if these new guys have only been here for 50 years and they don't seem to have all their stuff together, eh, maybe. I mean, are you saying there's a chance? Maybe. Um, is, is perhaps the attitude. So there's a lot of upheaval 
um, and a lot of a lot of rebellion. Compiled with that is that Pilate is no politician. Uh, when he arrives in Jerusalem, uh, he leads men who are carrying an image of of um, uh, an image of the uh, deified Emperor Tiberius on their shields. Um, you are not permitted to carry idols into Jerusalem. Uh, it, it will make the Jewish people upset. Uh, and so uh, they get really, really upset, and they, they march on, uh, or, and, and uh, Pilate, who lives in a, a town called Caesarea, he comes down and to see what the, what, what the problem is, uh, and he ends up with a riot on his hands, uh, and several people die. Um, if, you, if you turn to Luke 13 really quickly, uh, this is a different event, uh, but Jesus is asked about it. There were present at that season some that told Jesus uh, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Uh, and then he goes on to describe another event. But um, th there were three yearly festivals in Jerusalem uh, at this, since time immemorial. But like there were these three major festivals where people would go up to Zion and celebrate. Uh, and it, you were supposed to do it regardless of your status. Regardless, you know, if you could get there, you were supposed to go there. Um, and Pilate would, would go to these festivals, not because he was Jewish, but because he was the governor of the territory. And each and every time it was a disaster. Um, and he, there, there were riots almost every time. Ima imagine getting, you know, two million angry people in a, you know, a small city. Um, and you're the person that they're angry at. Uh, and you just show up. Uh, it's... He was, not having fun. he was not having a fun time. He was not suited by predilection or politics to being the governor of a, a territory like Judea. Um, he also uh, was not great friends with the Sanhedrin. Like, he, he needs them. Uh, so when you wonder, well, okay, why, why at the end of this is the solution that Jesus is killed even though he's innocent? That's why, right? It's all political. It's all driven by, by the needs of the Roman authorities to keep the peace. So let's continue, because uh, we're, we're going to see that Pilate thinks he has an out here. It says, Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were, more, they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. And Pilate goes, Huh? When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. Um, so if, you, uh, uh, if you're a judge and you're cowardly, uh, a jurisdictional challenge is the best thing you can get. You can say, this is not my problem. I'm going to send him to this other guy and see what happens, uh, which is what he did. So he sent him to Herod. Uh, in verse 8, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him. And he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Uh, and the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him, 
and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day, Pilate and Herod uh, were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. So he, he doesn't even say anything to Herod, right? And then uh, think about what, a, if, if you're reading this book fresh, think about what a change that is, right? Like before chapter 22, you couldn't get Jesus to shut up, um, right? And, and now he doesn't have anything. Uh, he, he, ha, he absolutely has nothing to say to Herod. Because what's the point? Um, let's continue. 13, so this is the third trial, or the second trial before Herod, and the third trial overall, or before Pilate. Uh, and the same, oh, uh, verse 13, and Pilate, when he had t- called together the chief priests and the rulers, uh, and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod. For I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to to them. And they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto him uh, that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. So catch the irony here, first of all. Right, what, what, what did Barabbas do? He actually, he actually murdered people and he actually committed sedition. Right? He was actually saying, you know, we should, we should kill the Romans. Um, and then he actually killed a person. Um, but they'd, they'd rather have that guy right, than Jesus, whose only crime was teaching that, you, that the upside-down kingdom is coming. Right? Um, just a couple things here. Um, I, I'm always struck when I read this by Jesus' response. Right? It's just silence. He says nothing. Right? He, he misdirects in the first instance. Right? He says, what, what do you think I am? Right? And, and it, that's a question that's not just for Pilate, and it's not just for the Sanhedrin. Right? It's, it's Luke raising the question for us. Right? Saying, well, who do you think he was? Do you believe him when he says he's the son of man? Do you believe that he's the guy that Daniel described? Do you believe that he was Messiah? It begs the question, not just of Pilate, but of the reader. Um, the more interesting thing to me is, is how, how silent he is. Um, and I, I want to suggest a couple things. One, uh, Jesus knows he has a rendezvous on Golgotha, right? He's going to meet death there. He knows that. Uh, how do we know that? Well, in, in uh, Luke 9, we could go to several passages, but in Luke 9.22, he says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and die and be raised again the third day. Couldn't be more clear that he knows what he has to do, right? The kingdom can't really start. Right? The, the end state can't be reached 
unless he drags death down into the grave with him and then leaves without it. That's, that's his purpose. So he, he knows what he has to do. Right? He's, he's hurtling towards Golgotha at this moment uh, in time. The other is that he can't really say, I think, um, I'm going to speculate here. Um, Bill and I had a very interesting, I'm going to mention you, Bill. We had a very interesting question, uh, conversation before this started, um, this, the, before this class started. Um, and Bill asked me, what language do you think that they were speaking? Um, you know, obviously Jesus, or not, maybe not obviously, Jesus spoke probably Hebrew and Aramaic, which was kind of the, the, the language of that part of the world. Pilate probably spoke Latin, probably spoke a little Hebrew, he probably spoke Aramaic. Um, and we had this conversation about, okay, if you pointed a camera at, I went back in time and I had a camera and I pointed it at them, what language would they be speaking? Uh, is, is maybe not as interesting to me as what, how did Luke present their conversation, right? Because there are things about their conversation that Luke wants to draw out, Luke wants us to see, right? Luke wants us to think about. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for raising that, Bill. I thought that was a, that, that's, a, a, that's a good way to frame it up, is like Luke is, is telling a story and he wants us to receive a message about Jesus uh, and in Jesus' silence, I think there are a couple things. One is uh, what I just said. He's, he's got a date with destiny, and he's, that he's not willing to prolong it. The other is that the people he's talking to are, are not ready to receive what he's going to say. He, he and Pilate are from different worlds. They, they, they might as well be from different planets, right? Uh, whatever he says to Pilate, Pilate will not under... If he proclaimed the gospel message to Pilate, Jesus is essentially an alien to him. He's going he's gonna to say, I don't even have the vocabulary to process or understand what you're saying. That there's no work that can be done for the kingdom of heaven by testifying to Pilate. Uh, and so he doesn't bother. All right? I, I said last week, it, it's like almost like uh, uh, if you put an uh, Xbox game into a PlayStation, it will say, I don't know Right, the PlayStation will not. It won't read the Xbox game. I tried. Uh, as a kid, as a kid, I tried, uh, and it won't. It, it just won't do anything. Right? It might recognize that there's a disc or that there's data. Right? Uh, Pilot and he can speak the same language, but they can't. They're not ever going to merge the same concepts. Right? Pilot will not be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, uh, and the reason that Jesus is not in a position to testify to him in that way is because Jesus is external. And we'll talk about this next week when we talk about Paul, who is internal to the system. Jesus comes from outside, right? He's not a Roman citizen. He's not, uh, he's not part of the Roman system uh, from an economic perspective or religious perspective. There's just, there are no, there's nothing he could say to Pilate that would make a difference. Uh, and so he doesn't. I, I also think that Jesus is presenting an example for us here, right? That the system that he's being tried under is unjust, right? It's, it's going to result in an injustice. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Everybody knows he didn't do anything wrong. Yet he's going to be marched to, the, he's gonna be, uh, marched to Golgotha and hung on a cross. Everybody knows that. So 
I think it begs the question, or it, it raises the question, what do we do uh, in the, um, the presence of unjust systems, right? And whether those systems are legal, as they sometimes are, whether those systems are economic or social or whatever, um, how, how do we as Christians, right? We're, we're vastly privileged in the United States to live in a system that is, it tries to, a lot of the time, to get the right result. Doesn't, doesn't work as much as it should, but it, it certainly tries, right? Um, so we're very privileged to live in that kind of system, but there are places in the world where that, even, even the modest assumptions of justice that you receive in the American system are not present. Um, and, and there are people in the United States who, who get less justice than others. So when that happens, how, how do we react? Uh, and one way to react is the way that Jesus reacts here, with silence, right? by shaming the system.